It's a good Alongside the inimitable, and I can still say inimitable, uh, which is something. Emma Patterson. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hi. Let's give a warm, pretty welcome. Welcome to Emma Patterson. Yes, we're at Tales of the Cocktail. We are New Orleans, Louisiana. We are sat in an incredible location, and I'm going to let Emma describe where we are right now. Emma, we're in a train carriage, and it is the most elaborate beautifully decorated, uh, lavish. The queen would feel special in here. It is so gorgeous, and it is was owned originally by the man who created and started House of Blues, and he had quite a vision, didn't he, Dan? You're old, though. You know about those things. Uh, what? No, old, yes, me. Yes, yes I am. Uh, it does. It looks like, well, kind of, it reminds me of the Orient Express thing from the movies. I've not been on it myself. Yes. But it's in a very elaborate, gorgeous train car, plush, what do you call this stuff? What do you call this? Velvet. Velvet. That's it. Yeah. It's like a boudoir. Boudoir. But this is just the dining room. This is. We are in the dining room. Then there's uh, there's uh, cabins that you can sleep in and all this. And this train is now owned by our good friends at the Patron Company. Patron Tequila. Uh, one of our very first shows. We went down to Mexico last year. We uh, we got it on with uh, uh, Rodarte. <laughs> You, everybody remembers Rodarte. We're going to bring him up later. Very famous Mexican actor who uh, may have been overserved on the Drinky Fun Time podcast. But and we had Guillermo del Toro on the show for that one, and we went down there. How awesome was that trip to Patron? I mean, I don't think we lied about that on that episode. It, it was just in, it's just an incredible place. I mean, our rooms were giant. They're bigger than most people's homes. They way, make, way, way bigger. They apparently make some money at Patron I, because they were able to, uh, the, the room that I was in, and I think I had a giant uh, picture of John Paul DiGiorio next to my bed. <laughs> that wasn't weird Right then. there. He was like on a horse or something, no, riding a horse. Wasn't. And uh, he was there. No, he was. And, uh, you know, so Patron Tequila, uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock for your whole life, Patron was, uh, tequila sucked. Right. Oh, come tequila on. was shit. What well, was shit for a long time? Nobody drank tequila, and then JP came along and said, "You know what? We need to make premium tequila." And they were. They were the first brand to go. Let's make good tequila. Now there's hundreds, hundreds of brands of tequila out there, and I think they all owe a debt of gratitude to Patron for that. Yeah, and it also has brought so much luxury to drinking cocktails with tequila in. I know I've said this before, forgive me, but my, my introduction to tequila was in uh, my university 
Union, Student Union, which was basically the cheap drinks bar, and you just did shots of the stuff with a sachet of salt, and it, oh, it's all only going to end in tears. And it was it was vile. Yeah, yeah. Abs- and not just, I mean, the tequila was terrible. And, you know, it was probably a pound a shot because it was the Student Union, so, you know, it wasn't top quality stuff. But what uh, Patron did was came along and, and actually put a bit of money on it and said, hey, we're not we're going to charge you a little bit more, but you'll thank us for it. Yeah. And it's going to be in a gorgeous bottle. And you know who else we have? Francisco. Well, right. Francisco, <laughs> yes. the man who makes what the a tequila, chap. not only one of the most impressive distil- guys in the world in terms of making the best hairdo, an amazing hairdo that he has there, yes. I think um, he's got a few hairdos. He does. He? So, okay, so we're on this train, and we are at Tales of the Cocktail. We are parked right by Esplanade in, in New Orleans. Those of you who know New Orleans out there, we're there. There's a big party going on outside. You wouldn't know it because we're in the comfy... Air conditioned climbs. You need air conditioning down here because it mm-hmm. is really fucking hot in New Orleans. So we are here. It's air conditioned in this train. I want to. Do you want to hear a little bit more about the train? I would love. Well, I, I have heard a bit more, and um, it's a great story. So should we so welcome. I some think people we should on? bring on our guest now. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, old friend of the show, and I mean old. Look at your graying, man. You're graying, but you do look good in that drinky fun time hat. Uh, the man uh, needs no introduction. Well, for us, but no, none of you have ever heard of him. But his name is Greg Cohen. Welcome and back. And Greg is, you, you, you kind of like second in command at Patron, right? Don't I wish. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Greg uh, is our old buddy. He's the one who brought us down to Mexico before. He's here now. He's going to talk to us. And also with us, the guy who runs this train, his job is to run, make sure this train goes, because this train came from Los Angeles to New Orleans, it doesn't happen without this guy. His name's Chris Schaefer. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank Chris. you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be here. So I tell, mean, yeah, go ahead. What, what a situation to be in. You're basically trying to get a museum to come from L.A. to New Orleans via Austin and a few places, yeah. I believe, yeah. without breaking it. <laughs> well, it's, you know, you're right. And the queen, the queen would love to be on this train, by the way. <laughs> but it's 1928. It was built by what's called the American Foundry. So they were the Rolls-Royce of train buildings. Mm -hmm. But remember, back in 1928, this was pre-the Depression. Sure. So everybody was buying these private trains. It was like a private jet back in those days. So this was the Gulfstream 7 of its days. Mm -hmm. And they would spend, back in those days, a half a million dollars, which would be $15 million now. Crazy. Building these trains out. And every major family, every major company would have one or two. The uh, Rockefellers had a half a dozen. All the big corporations had them because in those days there was no real air travel. And the roads sucked. So the only way to go was by train. And every little town was linked by train. So somebody would jump on this train and they would run. It was a business car. And you'd have a couple secretaries, the president, the treasurer, whoever it was, a staff of three or four. Or they might have two or three train cars at the same time. And they would just go around the country doing the business. Yeah. So when Isaac Tigret, who started the House of Blues, and by the way, you're sitting in the original foundation room right now. That's crazy. This is where it started. The foundation room is, is the private club, uh, the private portion of the House of Blues, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. And and just next time you go, just say you're on the Patron and they'll you, give you margaritas. This is the one in spot. Sunset, right? Yeah, we're talking well, about no, it started in Cambridge up in Massachusetts. Then the second one was here, 
And the cool thing is this was like JP, Dan Aykroyd, Isaac Tigrid, Piers Bronson, Cheech and Chong. I mean, they had fun on this car. These were all okay. were these guys all these investors. Were all investors. In this? Yeah. Okay. And here's how they, they did an investor. Isaac ran out of money, bought the car, he put a couple million into it, and he went to Amtrak and said, I can't afford to, you know, really go on the on the rails, but if you let me run for a month, I'm going to raise some money. I'll pay you double. Okay, And Amtrak said, good deal, but here's the deal. You don't pay us, we take the car. He said, no problem. <laughs> so he gets on the track. He booked it all over the United States. Somebody would come into the car. They'd see this. He'd lock the door. Train would go. And then they couldn't get off unless they wrote a check for a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> they raised Brilliant. $17 million in 20 days. Wow. And Amazing. started the House of Blues. Wow. wow. So it was Dan. Dan Aykroyd, uh, Belushi at the time, um, JP, yeah, and Isaac, and this, this, this was their spiritual headquarters too. Because every time they go into some place, they'd live here, sure. obviously party here. So there's like great ghost in this car. What is it used for primarily now? Like, is it to entertain? Well, sort of. You know, well, it's the we call it the Patron Tequila Express. Yeah. I mean, apropos, yeah, it's, it, yeah. it is. Uh, it's. It. Uh, I think it's. I think it's aptly named. But we take this to festivals like this, where it tails of the cocktail. We bring it. We've brought it here several times, several years. We've taken it to the Super Bowl. We've taken it to. Couple times. Uh, we've we've taken it to. We take I, it to D.C. I can't remember all the pl- places it's Boston. been. Uh, we did the um, the music on the on the rails. Yeah, it's uh, been here in New Orleans several times. But here's the main thing that's so good about this car. Every dollar that's raised on this car goes to a charity. Good wow. Lord. So John Paul's mantra is success unshared is failure. And that tells, that's him, that's his story. Sure. Okay. So the car is used to raise money for charities. When Katrina happened, uh, Dan got on the phone with JP and they said, hey, that's New Orleans. It's a, there's people dying out there. What can we do? Boom, sent the car out, started funding a group called the St. Bernard Project, who were the first winners of the CNN Heroes Award. And then Patron took it on through your help, Greg, and all of the staff of Patron would come down and actually build homes. So they would take non-vacation time, fly down, and actually work out there on the sites. Yeah. And we've built now, I think, over 1,100 homes. Something like that, yeah. Incredible. So, and what we do different than, say, Habitat for Humanity is that we'll build the homes. Actually, build them. I'm talking out there. Boom, boom, sure. boom, 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 Build them. And then we give them back to the people at no charge. And is With a bottle of tequila. With a couple <laughs> of bottles of tequila. I mean, it adds to the benefit of it. Uh, yes. Yeah, well. But what it, what it means is that they can get their home back, and it didn't. They, all the other charities, you have to get a loan. Yeah. And so we've just turned around and said, here you go. And because of that, yeah. people donate stuff to us so we can get the rebuilding of a house. It's down to, it was 27000 I think, per home. Yeah. So it's just, that's what this train does. Yeah. You know, it just does good stuff. And podcasts. On and well, podcasts. I mean, and it attaches to the back of an Amtrak train. So it essentially becomes the caboose of any Amtrak train. And we pay Amtrak by the mile, and they'll and 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 they'll transport the rail car because there's no locomotive. 
this is only a rail car. It doesn't move on its own, so it has to it has to uh, it has to be pulled. And Amtrak has a separate division that will that will pull private rail cars like this. There's not that many of these private rail cars still in existence. This no. is one of this is one of the few. Well, it's know, an amazing. We're lucky, you know, to, we're lucky little, to still have it. And those little rooms in here. So you were saying like so the bed. We went in the master suite here, and there's just a window. And it's got to be an amazing thing to be on that train. As you're blowing across America and just you know watching it all. Well, uh, you were on here when you, Greg. Did you travel down? On I I've been. I have. I've been. I've had the fortunate opportunity to ride on this train, and it's just it's amazing. It's uh, you can't help but relax and uh, um, just watch the world go by. And it's the best way to see America, by the way. You know, here's a, a plug for train travel. It is the best, best way, way to see, to see this and country. And with a drink in front of you, too. Just so everybody knows, we have drinks in front of us right now. Uh, these glasses are amazing they look like agave plants they do and we're drinking i'm what do i have a tiki rita what is this rita that is made with and by the way did you notice the the paper straw no plastic straws no plastic straws on the patron tequila express yeah this is made with our brand new patron citron pineapple liqueur pineapple liqueur which is perfect in tiki drinks yeah and it's summertime and Tiki drinks are a lot of fun, and so we are we are tikiing. We are with Patron. It's delicious, and you got a great tiki shirt on Thank there. Thank you. Too. Yeah, well, it's, it's a pineapple and Dan, you shirt. got a tiki shirt there too. And Emma's doing her. And Emma's got, got it. Her. Yeah, we're all, we're in the spirit of things. By here. the way, I'm going to bust Emma here. I was out last night listening to some great blues and jazz on the uh, on Frenchman Street. What? Yes, and uh, it was about one o'clock in the morning. Oh, someone knew the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm watching this wild girl. Just <laughs> dancing like crazy, and I'm thinking that. And honestly, I've got you on video somewhere. <laughs> I, I'm actually sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know what? This girl's having a blast, which is what you should do in New Orleans. I mean, just let your soul free. Wait, wait, and hold then, on. Who was it? Emma. <laughs> oh, I, there she is. But not only Dancing one club. queen of New Orleans. I'm just doing what I'm told. I went to three different clubs, and you were in all three clubs. <laughs> <laughs> By the right. I was thinking, Wait, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> He's right, and in my defense, it was just because we wanted to make the most of it. Here's what happened. One, when the band in one bar or a club decides to take a break, you leave and go somewhere else and then come back when they're back on stage. So that's why you saw me in three places. Yeah, well, it's I not, was there with you. So yeah, I, mean, yeah, you I was bouncing the in there, thing. too. Yeah, by yeah. Way, Chris. Yeah, know, throw her under the bus. You're hitting every bar too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It was. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was. That's the beauty of this town. Yeah. Is you know you got that and then, you know you go up to Frenchman's and it's like uh, it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing. I mean it's a lot of fun and 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 you can just bop in here. The band stops. You go across the street to the next place, and yeah, fantastic. And everybody's having a good time. I mean, yeah. that was a that was a good evening last night. And good the, evening. I mean, we're so and the music was fantastic. Exactly. I was about to say we're so lucky uh, in LA with the variety of music that live music that we can get to see, but nothing like that comes. Well, it's spontaneous. Yeah. You know, you'll be in one club, and all of a sudden, a guy walks in, and he, he happens to be the world's third best trumpet player. Right. Yeah. You know, and everybody bows to him for five minutes, and then boom, they're all jamming. Yeah. You know, and that that big guy with the tuba yeah. when he did that solo yeah. on that tuba, oh my and god! And it, it's 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 the lifeblood of this town is music, yeah. obviously, and it's yeah. it doesn't you know this town you mentioned Katrina has seen its share of hardship, and it, you know there's inequality here. There's a lot of things going on, but there's one thing about New Orleans that just is so alive and vibrant, and that's the music, man. When you're in there. 
It just, it doesn't, nothing about it feels fake. It's authentic. These people love it, what they're doing. And, uh, yeah. And I can't. And the cocktail. Uh, yeah. yeah. There we go. Yes. Oh, hey. So let me ask you this. Patron got purchased. Yes. But Bacardi bought out Patron. They were a partner in Patron. Now they've fully purchased it. Correct. What does that mean for the brand? What happens? Well, I think it means a lot of good things for the brand. I think Bacardi will will take Patron to uh, you know, to even uh, even new levels, especially in international markets. We're in about 100 countries already, but with Bacardi and the resources from Bacardi, I, there's really no there's really uh, no telling what this brand will. Will will be able to do so. I think it's a. I think it's a great thing for the brand to where is in, Patron, introduce even more people where is to Patron tequila on the higher like in the ranking of tequilas. Where where does it sit? I'm yeah. guessing Cuervo is probably the number one selling. Cuervo is the number one selling tequila by volume, but in terms of ultra premium tequila, your high end tequilas, your hundred percent agave tequilas like Patron, we are we are the number one selling tequila in in the world. Is uh, is Casamigos nipping at your heels a little bit or no? Ah, you know it's a that's not a bad brand. It's a good I mean, brand. Diageo bought them. They did, yeah. uh, and they're and they're a good brand. But, but they paid but a billion. They paid a, brand. they paid a billion. That's what I read. You guys got you know. five billion. <laughs> so I'm going to use my math skills and say that Patron is a more valuable brand than it is. Than <laughs> and you have a fucking train. Uh, those are, you have a train. Those are good math. The Casamigos does not have a train. But let me let, let me go back a little bit on. Um, you were talking about how special New Orleans is. There is an absolute connection to New Orleans and this train car. Uh, U.E.P. Long, who is the governor of Louisiana, and actually altered the financial status of Louisiana because he stopped the Rockefellers from taking all the oil money and gave it back to the people. So he's a real hero here. This was his political train car. So if you look right here, read that. Go ahead and read that, Emma. This room is respectfully dedicated to Senator Huey P. Long, the kingfish who dined on car 50 many times. There may be smarter men than me, but they ain't in Louisiana. TK. Wow. That's Huey Long. Huey <laughs> the P. Long. Fish. The Kingfish. Yeah. So he, he dined. He didn't die, by the way. No, he, he died. Dined he did die eventually. But he, did he die he in this train? <laughs> no. Right here. No, but hey, he, he, had a lot of, he had yeah. a lot of good times on this train. Let me ask you this, Chris. I'm yeah. sure there have been, and maybe you can name some names, I'm sure there have been some notable people on this train. Well, I think probably the most notable, Greg, is um, probably Dan Aykroyd. So Dan Aykroyd's been on this train. Dan Aykroyd's been on this train. Come on, there had to be some. Pierce, Pierce Brosnan's been on the train. Pierce Brosnan. Um, Cheech is on the train all the time. And when these people are on the train, are there is the are there chefs and yes, As so there's fact, staff. And yes, there's staff on board. And um, when JP and his beautiful wife Eloise had their honeymoon 25 years ago, they had Wolfgang Puck as their chef. Wow. Well, that's amazing. So here's the thing. When you're in New Orleans, and, and I, I would love to get you guys' opinion on this. So, you know, Bourbon Street, very touristy, kind of played out. Uh, Frenchmen's to to agree, but but I think the most, that's probably the more fun area to go to at this point. It is. But I tell you, if you're, if you're coming to, to New Orleans and you want just to have a jazz, old classic jazz experience, go to Preservation Hall. Okay, Preservation Hall is the old... Brass Blues building when they do, I think, two or three uh, a night, and it's just the best amazing old-school brass music you can get. You walk out of there just going, all right, I've got this. You know, this, right. this is cool. Have you not been yet? No. Oh, you got to go. 
Got to go. Okay, Preservation Hall. It's an institution. Hall. It is an institution. It's been here forever, but it's your real traditional Dixieland blues. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We are it sounds like that. When, yeah, it's just like that. Yeah. Here, when yeah. are we confiscating the sound effects? <laughs> no, that's, that was that was a live thing from Preservation Hall. <laughs> now another fun place to go is Terme. Terme is a, a course, uh, an area. Just it's an actually, HBO series. It was. It was a great series. Too. Yeah. I love that series. Yeah. But there, there are clubs that pop up. So if you want the, and it's best about three or four in the morning. You know, because there you get uh, where all the musicians, it's where musicians go to play with musicians. Oh, well, then it's got to be good. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then you just end up there. Let's stay away from Bourbon Street. Hello, this is Emma from Drinky Fun Time. I'm here with my co-host, Dan Dunn. That's me. And uh, I want to talk to you, Dan, about something, and this is important. The truth is most of us aren't brushing our teeth right. We're not brushing them for long enough, Dan, and we forget to change the brush on time. And the reason is is because brands out there, they're focusing on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing tips. But not Quip. Quip? Quip, yes. What's Quip? Well, I'll tell you what makes Quip so different, shall I? Yes. For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes, which I'm really grateful for because I can't afford those ones. And while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to clean our teeth. I love vibrations when I'm cleaning my teeth. There's also a built-in timer which helps you to clean for the dentist's recommended two minutes with guiding pulses, don't get too excited again, that remind you when to switch sides. You know what? I think I heard of Quip. It was on Oprah's O-List, wasn't it? Are you bringing Oprah into this? She's got great teeth. And it was on Time's Best Inventions, and it's the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. And if you can't trust the American Dental Association... Emma, who can who you trust? Can you, tr- you can't trust the British one. Look at their teeth. Stop it, you. They're fine. They don't fall out. No, you're right. Oprah does back this, and they should. And this is a really good product. And apparently, we might get some. But uh, plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists, and hundreds of thousands of happy brushes use Quip every day. Every day. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to get. Quip, that's Q-U-I-P.com, getquip.com slash drinky, D-R-I-N-K-Y. Right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Emma, can I repeat it? That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash drinky. Yes. With us right now on the Patron Tequila Express is a man uh, who makes drinks for a living, and he makes them well. He's going to tell us what we're drinking now, and he's going to tell you what you should be drinking. Everybody, give a warm, drinky fun time welcome to David Allen. Hello. Oh, my God. The applause is deafening. Oh, so don't, many yeah, don't stop. Train. Don't stop. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. So what's going on, man? How are you so doing? So, David, you, are, you made the drinks for this thing. I am, I am part of the team of talented no, cartologists. No, take the credit yourself. I know. I can't. Just, okay. I couldn't. It would be criminal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I help run our mixology team, and we have been 
for the last few years on a mission to diversify the perception of tequila drinks out there. As in uh, de-pigeonholing. Is that a word? Can we de-pigeonhole? So you're talking about, like, get rid of just margarita, just get rid of, you know, like, not oh, by, get oh, rid by of no, it. By no means um, should we get rid of the margarita because that would, um, not that would get violate rid of, our but principles. Expand the horizons. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, the, mar- the, the, the category has just been stuck in this margarita um, shots thing. Like, that's how people drink it. The, the positive thing is that people's perception of tequila is that it's fun. I tell, it's, I tell people I work in the tequila business, and their, their first reaction a lot of times is like, woo! Like that's people's, tequi- yeah. that's people's reaction when you say you're in the tequila business because they associate tequila with fun. Um, but that fun has always been like kind of stuck in a margarita um, shot isn't that a Zone. Jimmy Buffett song, Stuck in a Margarita? I think it's a George Strait song. Okay, yeah, it's George a country Strait, yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what are you hoping that people that are visiting the Patron uh, area and the carriage <laughs> this week, what are you hoping that, that they're going to learn and take away with them? Well, we're, we're in full tiki right now. We, the, we kind of committed ourselves as a, as a brand this summer. That, like, we're at t- tiki everywhere, uh, not just, just here at Teals. We're on like a tiki tour. Um, but you know, t- tiki is fun. And if you look at But how do you bridge that? Because tiki's rum. Right. right. Yeah. Of course. So yeah, how that do you is, how do you position yourself? It is. Yeah. It's a it's a perceptional thing because obviously rum is the predominant tiki spirit. But even if you go back and look at the the old days of the of the original kind of cocktail canon, you've got drinks like uh, the Singapore Sling, which is a famous tiki drink or tropical drink, but it's a gin drink, right? So you see other spirits even during the golden age of tiki, incorporating other spirits, you know, or cocktails from that era incorporating other spirits, and we're just basically making the case that you look at the tropicality of, of, of Jalisco and, or of, of Mexico, you look at the in, re, regional indigenous flavors. Vanilla, a huge flavor in, in tiki drinks, right? Yeah. That's an, a native flavor to Mexico. And then a lot of flavors that are not native to Mexico, like clove and anise, um, that are prominent in tiki cocktails, are cultivated in Mexico. Cof- coffee is cultivated in Mexico um, for hundreds of years now. So... So the, the flavors, the traditions, the way people celebrate tiki and the way people celebrate Mexican food or Mexican culture, like I would, I would almost argue it's a stretch. Like it's a limb that's so thin it probably would snap out from underneath me as I climb out on it. But I would make the, the thin argument that, uh, that like the Mexican restaurant today is like the tiki restaurant of yore where it's an escapist, it's a fun thing. There aren't that many restaurants where you can walk into and get, like, transported, where the waiters are in different outfits and the painting and the decor. And there's you go to a Mexican restaurant, there's big fountains and plazas. And you ever come to Los Angeles? I do, frequently, yeah. So in Los Angeles, as producer Bo and Emma are well aware, is one of the most unique Mexican restaurants mm. you'll ever find. It's called Casablanca. Okay, I need okay. it in my life. So it's a Mexican restaurant. I'll go next week. It's a Mexican restaurant based on the movie Casablanca, <laughs> which <laughs> no is joke. in North which Africa. Is, yeah, not no, I'm not kidding yeah. you. So you walk in, and the entire place is there's pictures of Humphrey Bogart, and who is it? Ingrid Bergman was in there. And there's a, giant, there's a giant display case in the middle of the restaurant with a mannequin. Like a puppy, uh, my like a, mannequin. A Humphrey Bogart in the in the in. <laughs> But he, I don't even think he he's wearing, like I think he's wearing a, the costume from another outfit. movie, like from like the Maltese Falcon or something. But he's in there. So I would say that's probably. It's about a, as accurate as a tiki restaurant. And then in the middle <laughs> of the place, there's a woman. And I think it's the same woman who's been there for 75 years. She's making uh, the tortillas by hand in the middle. Doesn't speak. Doesn't look at anybody. <laughs> just does it. And then there's a. A guitar player sometimes playing like Christopher, Saw, uh, Christopher Cross, like sailing, take me away. 
It's so a fucking mindfuck, yeah. man. Casablanca <laughs> is the biggest mindfuck. And on top of that, Chip, the margarita guy, pushes a cart through the restaurant. Gotta have that. Cart. Yeah. With margaritas, comes up to your table with the cart. Yeah, squint. I think squint a little bit and drink a couple more margaritas, and you start to see that this is the same kind of dining theatrics, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same tricks that were up Don Beach's sleeves and uh, Trader Vic's sleeves. And in Mexican restaurants, like there's a, a few of them in Texas. I'm from Austin, Texas, and there's a few places like that where you walk in. There's they're put sombreros on people's heads at, at dinner time, and or they're on their birthday, and there's mariachis playing, and there's you know all this stuff going on. Um, there's a, a place I won't name the name of it, but it's an it, outside of a, it's a hill country town, and it's a Mexican. It's a Mexican. It's a little further out than that. A Mexican restaurant where there's literally a scale replica of the Alamo, and on someone's birthday, there's a um, an animatronic Davy Crockett wearing a sombrero that's playing the Happy Birthday song, and when it's your birthday, incredible. They'll shine a light on you while you watch Davy Crockett's um, animated figure play Happy Birthday. I mean, it's just crazy, right? Nuts. But it is. But you're but when you're sitting in that place, like it looks like a plaza of some small, very Disneyfied town. That's what Mexican f- culture, like uh, the Tex-Mex culture, as celebrated in these places, like you know, in in Los Angeles, and the way tequila culture spread across this country was from cities like San Diego, L.A., you know, San Antonio, Austin, Houston, etc. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a connection. There's something. Um, uh, there's something about the the flavors and traditions. Uh, of of tiki cocktails and of and of there's traditional Mexican drinks like cantaritos and um, cazuelas that seem sort of like proto tiki to me. Look at how people party in Mexico. Like look at look at how tourists celebrate themselves. Oh, we've, in- we've partied <laughs> in Mexico. Yeah, we have like, definitely partied in Mexico. Let me ask you this though: when you you mentioned L.A. and these, what's what about in the middle of America? Places like that. I mean, sure. people are people drinking tequila in. Nebraska. So, so, they, so they finally are, and I think that that's something that uh, that in you know in the as this, in the sixties, the seventies, I would even say in the eighties, um, um, tequila consumption in this culture in this country was was limited to big cities along the southwestern border, and then also in in Mexican restaurants. Um, as time has gone on, you know, as we I'm sure someone in this table has has noted that the margarita is the most called for cocktail by name in, in this country right now. So obviously it is. I didn't this know is that. not just a regional Is it Greg? It is. This at no least kid. according more, to wait wait more than the vodka soda. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Patron's own official PR person here has said um that, that So that's it has true. to be true. Okay. Well, the unimpeachable the unimpeachable facts if Greg's saying it I believe uh, it's so. Greg Cohen, yeah. yeah. So that so this thing has become a nationwide ph- phenomenon. You go to places like New York City and there's not one but many very fine tequila and, and, and mezcal bars. And in, in every major city in the country, um, there's, there's someone uh, doing something like a very elevated. And there's lots and lots of people um, like this, this cuisine, you know, Mexican food, Tex-Mex, and regional Mexican cuisines have become a nationwide phenomenon, um, obviously. Do you drink tequila with food? You. I do, actually, yeah. But I drink, I, to me, I, like I think mar- margaritas and Mexican food are, are an inseparable that's an inseparable thing to me. It's like barbecue and beer. Okay. Um, I think that that like like wine and Italian food. It's like uh, it's it's just something that enhances the experience of 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 the of the dining experience. Like I think they're in, inseparable. Yeah. Okay. What I would like to know is, you know, you're traveling. You said that you've been doing this for a while now. Uh, what is the most common reaction from people when they realize that this is a tiki drink? <laughs> Well, the oh, the, well, the the reaction is actually the, uh, often that they're surprised. It is a 
that it's a tequila drink. Like they can taste, see, experience that it's a tiki drink. Um, and we, we did a big festival up in, in upstate New York a couple weeks ago, Ohana Luau on the lake. And here's these diehard uh, tiki files rum drinkers. And we sponsored the opening night party on a on a like a pirate boat on the lake, and uh, like hundreds or thousands of of tiki tequila cocktails, and nobody batted an eye. And people kept coming up to me all night, like I can't believe this is what this is. Like it's the the, the flavors, the the complexity of tequila, layers upon layers of flavors, and the and the other the components I talked about, all these other you know spices and fruits and things that are that are related to or native to Mexico. They they combine to build a very logical tiki drink, and it's something that, that you know I, we, we, it hasn't been much of an argument. <laughs> Amazingly enough, like I kind of, I kind of thought we were going to come out swinging like tequila tiki, let's do this. Um, but you know, in the bartending scene, the mixology scene, the people who are at Tales of the Cocktail, they've they've known this for a long time. This is something they they decoupled tequila from just like margarita shot culture um, years so somebody ago. Somebody at home though, somebody at home right now. They want to make a they want to make a tiki tequila cocktail. Go, give me the ingredients. Two ounces of what? <laughs> no pressure. Oh, let's do it. Well, let's see. Let's do it. Well, the, you know the two kind of like hero cocktails that we've come out swinging mm-hmm. with this year. We think are very easy for people to make at home. The tiki rita. You take something that is cla- like the components of a classic margarita are here. It's reposado patron. It's citron orange liqueur, and it's fresh lime. And then we've thrown in grapefruit, a little bit of vanilla. And a little nutmeg and allspice, and boom! It's like we kind of tiki-fied the classic of classics, right? Um, as and far now as, we have the pineapple. As far as tequila, um, you know, we just are rolling out this year, this summer with a pineapple liqueur. I mean, talk, a home run. Te- te- tequila and pineapple have always been a great pairing. Pineapples grown in Mexico, cultivated in Mexico, and so this tequila-based pineapple liqueur was a no-brainer for us. What is the alcohol content of the pineapple liqueur? All of our liqueurs are 35%, yeah, 70 proof. Tequila-based, we make them all at the Hacienda. Um, everything's made yeah. right there okay. from from tequila-based. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that the tiki and, and tequila argument is strong. And, and, you know, you can tell when you're onto something when everyone else is doing it also. Like I noticed just in the last few weeks, I've seen other brands like ro- tequila brands rolling out with tiki paraphernalia. <laughs> you know, like there's something... <laughs> Like I think we 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 do it better than anybody, but it's a zeitgeist thing too. That you, you look at the two biggest trends that I think, I'm, and 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 far be it for me to, to to tell you what they are, but I, my observation, the two two of the biggest trends in, in in cocktails and mixology right now are tiki, and tequila. Yeah. When you travel, especially in the U.S., but I've seen it also in other places. Um, but yeah, tiki and tequila, these are like the two big things. You know where else? You know where else it is in New Zealand. <laughs> oh, that's funny, right. Funny, funny you should, New Zealand tiki funny culture you should in New mention. Zealand. So we, before we sign off, we want to bring, we want to have, if, if nothing else, a competing uh, accent to Emma. Yes, yes, we're gonna because I love the British accent. And I, I feel like you're making it up, though. You're not really British, are you? It's Northern English. I don't know. Northern English. So we're gonna we're gonna have a competing accent here. We're gonna bring on a, another mixologist from the Patron team, Madeline. What's your last name? Tight. What? Tight. T A T E. It sounds like, like she's saying tight. Act like that didn't happen right there. Okay. We're going to bring on another mixologist right now, part of the Patron team. She's from New Zealand. Her name is Madeline Tate. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Yes. Madeline, first question English versus New Zealand. Better accent. Go. 
Like, God. my accent's no. better than the English accent. Oh. Is that what we're saying? Oh, snap. No, she's what asking the question. All right, so you live in New Zealand. You're from Australia. You live in New Zealand. You're a bartender over there? Yes, I am. And where? Uh, in Auckland City. In Auckland. So, yes. Biggest city in New Zealand, but Wellington is the capital. And now Patron drinks over there? Uh, tiki drinks? Yeah. Um, tiki, it's becoming more of a culture in New Zealand, actually. There's more and more tiki bars specifically popping up in Auckland, so pretty cool to see. It's a fun culture. Have you been to Auckland, Emma? Not yet, but I'm going to go soon. Producer Bo's been there? So Producer Bo, and I mean, this is his main gig, obviously. He's making tons of money here, but he's a uh, sound person in the, uh, in the films and the pictures. And, and the I think pictures. you were, what was it, uh, the Lord of the Rings, right? Bo worked over there in Auckland? So in, in Wellington. Wellington, not have Queenstown. Been, no. Have you been to Wellington? I have. It's windy. <laughs> so uh, people in New Zealand are drinking tequila, is what you're saying. Yeah, um, tequila is definitely, the more knowledge we bring, the more people will start drinking it. And I've noticed that like since my experience with Patron, I pass that on to people and people will come back and ask for tequila and whichever one, like, what's new, what's this, what does this do to this drink? And it's What do they mainly drink in New Zealand? Uh, beer. Beer. That's <laughs> it. I think wine and beer is, like, very Kiwi. Yeah. Yeah. We do Sauvignon. Some of the best Sauvignon Blanc in the world. Oh, they really do. They really do, yeah. <laughs> I love them. Can I, can I do a shameless plug for Madeline? Please. So she's being, please she's help. being so shy. Please help. Help. She's being so humble over here. She, the reason why we met Madeline is because she won part of our international cocktail competition. Oh, goodness. Patron Perfectionist. She was Thanks. the national winner for New Zealand and Australia, right? No. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, not Australia. All of Oceania. Oh. Yeah. Just take it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So Hashtag what does, famous. What does that entail? Like, how do you... What do you have to achieve in order to win something like that? Um, so Patron come out with a brief, um, create a cocktail based on X, Y, Z, whatever they choose for the brief for the year. And, um, yeah, so just drew inspiration from my hometown. So I use, like, a local honey. Um, I use cherries because where I grew up, there's no, like, public transport. So we used to, like, do fun things like fruit picking and we didn't go to the movies and stuff like that so yeah just all ingredients from my hometown as part of the perfectionist competition since so she won uh, for that whatever we'll call it the whole hemisphere yeah um she got to go to the <laughs> global finals in jalisco at our hacienda Yay. and she actually smuggled um honey uh, yeah, to honey the competition which i in turn smuggled home because that honey what, what what was that honey it was pahutakawa honey so where i grew up it's like two blocks from the beach that's a bad pahutakawa pahutakawa Pahutakawa. Can you say that on air? Is it? So she needed to bring her home, uh, the honey from her hometown. All of the finalists, there's 18 of them from all over the world, had to bring these ingredients to the thing, and so she comes in smuggling. <laughs> Breaking the law. No, good We had you. several different crazy honeys get smuggled. Yeah, there honey. was some. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. But you used good. Mexican cherries. Uh, no, I used a cherry liqueur. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Because that was just probably easier than smuggling in cherries. So <laughs> what is this cocktail? How, how do we make it? Um, it's just cherry liqueur, lime. It's kind of like a margarita, because who doesn't like a margarita, right? You have to break it down. Yeah. Here we go. We're going to make the so drink. So it's 15 mils of cherry liqueur. Wait, what's a mil? Uh, <laughs> Stop it. Uh, wait, no, no, no. Uh, 15 mils is half an ounce. Half an ounce. Hey. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, so half an ounce of cherry liqueur, half an ounce of uh, honey syrup, like one-to-one, so water and honey, and then half an ounce of lime and half an ounce of mint and sherry, and then... 30 mils of um, Patron Reposado. Oh. Shaken very, very Shaken, well. Yep. 
Stra- over fine ice, strain, over ice. Fine strain into a coupe. Chilled fine coupe. Fine strain. And a, any yeah. garnish? Um, it had a salted, dehydrated lime. Did you do that yourself? Dehydrate and salt the lime? Yeah, so I just kind of salt, soak, soaked the the lime wheels and uh, salt solution, and then once they'd sat for like an hour, so they're like really salty, you just dehydrate them. Because then you put the salt in the drink and it like... It mixes into the drink and sort of highlights flavors. And do you wear hats, by the way? Do you wear hats? <laughs> I do wear hats. If we give you a drinky fun time hat, will I wear? Yes. Will you promise to send us a picture from New Zealand? Yes, I will. Wearing the hat. Look at that. That's a nice idea. We're going international, everybody. <laughs> We're going international. I'll take a photo with the sky tower in the background. And oh my yep. god, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Very excited. Well, let me do this. Let's uh, let's wrap it up and. Uh, we're on the, uh, Greg, what's it called again? The uh, Patron Tequila Express. Patron Tequila Express from Tales of the Cocktail, uh, biggest cocktail festival in America. Uh, our guests today have included Greg Cohen. Love Greg. Yeah, Greg. Thank you, there Greg. he is. Chris Schaefer, the guy that runs the train. Woo-hoo. If somehow you end up on this Patron train, I don't know that you ever will, but if you do, Chris is the man to talk to. Uh, David Allen, who, uh, David, what is your actual title? Are you the uh, mixologist my, in chief my of... My title is called Director of Trade Education and Mixology. Hey, quit bragging. We don't, we don't really bragging, say that. Dude. All right, no, no, kidding. David oversaw all of this. These cocktails are delicious. I love thank them. You. Also want to thank producer Bo, who's from the exotic land of New Jersey. Uh, yeah, producer Bo. Woo-hoo. And, of course, Emma Patterson. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. And uh, me, I guess I'll thank myself. Ricky, one time.